This is the podcast by The Straits Times. Hello and welcome to the Double Feature Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Roberts, lurking down in this dark, forgotten corner of the SBH Pleasure Dome. Solo again, but needs must. Anyway, two films for you this week, both men-related. Yes, it's raining men. We have The Gentleman and The Invisible Man. First up is The Gentleman. This is Guy Ritchie returning to his London gangster caper format, the one he made his name with way back in 1998 with Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, followed up with Snatch and all the other stuff. Um, It stars Hugh Grant, Matthew McConaughey, Charlie Hunnam, Colin Farrell, local hero Henry Golding, and gosh, there's even a girl allowed in too. Michelle Dockery plays Matthew McConaughey's wife in this. It's the story of an expat American marijuana kingpin called Mickey Pearson. Matthew McConaughey not stepping too far out of his boundaries. He's looking to retire. He wants to sell his entire empire to a fellow gangster for hundreds of millions of dollars, or pounds even. But that is sort of ruined by an ambitious gangster called Dry Eye, it's Henry Golding, who yet again gets referred to as James Bond in this. It's getting to be a contractual obligation thing, is this, Henry? Mentioned in last Christmas, now it's mentioned again. Are you trying to vie for a particular role that's coming up anytime soon? Anyway, the characters are good. Hugh Grant is totally different to how you think of him. Though, given his battles with the UK tabloids, his role as this seedy, muckraking journalist is pretty on the nose. Uh, Charlie Hunnam, this is his best role since Sons of Anarchy. He plays Matthew McConaughey's right-hand man. He's kind of more stoic, a bit more laid back, but this is the best I have seen him in such a long time. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is Matthew McConaughey, laconic, enjoyable as ever, and not much of a stretch compared to the likes of uh, Grant Hunnam and Colin Farrell. It's an infuriating mix. Um, How can I put this? The problem with this film, the real big problem, is that it's so overwritten. Guy Ritchie's on writing duties, and that means everyone talks in a very similar style. That means 500 words where two would do. Pontificating, I think, would be the word. They like to call chewing mastication. One, because it sounds clever, it also sounds a bit rude but they don't know when to stop. It's At its best, it's a homage to Raymond Chandler and, of course, Quentin Tarantino. This is, comes off as such a Quentin Tarantino fan script, especially with Hugh Grant. It goes all over the place. In fact, so many characters in The Gentleman take so long to get to the point. It's a good job cinemas don't have a fast-forward option. It feels like 45 minutes of actual story wrapped in an hour of waffle. It's so much of it is... Let me tell you a story about Jimmy Fingers. Now, Jimmy Fingers has had his fingers in a lot of pies just recently. Coincidentally, precipitationally, microbially. Now, these pies, coincidentally, pies meaning for French for sausage, which means to love. You get the idea. So apart from the mostly stoic Hunnam, and to an extent, Colin Farrell, who is very enjoyable in this, a really great role for him. Uh, everyone talks for way too long. It almost seems like a cliché version of a Guy Ritchie film. The good stuff, Guy Ritchie can still pick out a really great soundtrack, and this is no exception, uh, especially the use of the L. Michaels Affair cover version of Shimmy Shimmy Ya with the school kids singing it. Fantastic use of that. He's more than capable of putting a well-together set piece, but for a whole film, man. It also comes off as a riff of layer cake. Now, Layer Cake was the film back in the early 2000s he passed on and gave to his producer, Matthew Vaughan, which then launched Matthew Vaughan's career and arguably gave Daniel Craig the Bond role. There are 
echoes of that particular film. A drug dealer wants a clean exit from the business. A posh socialite girl with a drug habit goes missing. There's a head in the freezer. That's not particularly a spoiler. The other bigger issue with this film is that it does have that Guy Ritchie level of casual racism, uh, the type that brushes off the complaints as, you know, oh, just PC gone mad. It gets a bit irksome. Not all characters need to be spouting that, especially in this day and age. It, it You could say, oh, it's what the character would do, but mm, did they? Did they really? Basically, if you just kept to the rule of killing your darlings and cutting out the so-so clever lines that have nothing to do with the story, this could have been a lot more fun than it is. And now, if it's not too much of a contradiction in terms... Here's why you must see The Invisible Man. Written and directed by Lee Wanell, the creator of the brilliant culted upgrade, this is the best thing to come from Universal's Dark Universe. The Dark Universe was meant to be a Marvel-like universe rivaling venture, led by Tom Cruise's The Mummy in 2017. It would have been blockbusters based on the classic Universal monsters, who all had their heyday in the 30s, such as Wolfman, Bride of Frankenstein, Jacqueline Hyde, and of course The Invisible Man, who was to be played by Johnny Depp. But The Mummy did so poorly that it killed the Dark Universe outright, which means that we now have this, the best iteration of the 123-year-old, I think, H.G. Wells' tale, The Invisible Man. How good is it? Well, it is filled with tension from the start. For a lot of this film, you may even have to remind yourself to breathe. It is utterly gripping. So gripping, a bunch of teenagers further down in my row at the screening I was in stopped their previously annoying talking and texting to watch the film. No lights, no chat, no sound, just watching. It is that good. So, what makes it so good? Uh, as cheesy as it will sound, is probably because you barely see the Invisible Man. Wanell treats the character the same way Spielberg treated the shark in Jaws. You barely see it. He is not the focal point of the film. In fact, while there are plenty of jump scares, and some will truly send your heart rate spiking, there are plenty of moments that Wanell just lets you scare yourself. He'll move the camera away from the people and will focus on a seemingly empty corner of a room. At which point... You're scanning the entire frame for a clue, a hint of movement. Sometimes there is, just a subtle hint, a suggestion that something is there. But sometimes you're just making up in your head. Which plays into the main theme of this. It's not what you can do when you're invisible, but more about psychological invasion. The first thing we see in the film is Elizabeth Moss as Cecilia Cass, carefully, silently, trying to escape her lavish, modern home, she is the victim of spousal abuse. Her husband, Adrian, is a pioneer in optics technology, we're very pointedly told, but he is clearly a wrong from the off. Uh, compared to previous versions of The Invisible Man, which focus on the man becoming invisible and the madness that comes from that, this guy is a bad from the off. And the focal point is actually Elizabeth Moss's character. So she moves into her friend's home, She's later informed that Adrian apparently committed suicide, but then things start happening in the home. There's the theme. It's about gaslighting. It's about making abuse victims believe they're in the wrong, making them seem paranoid to their friends and family, basically isolating them, turning people against them by making them look like they're making things up. It's a very real threat to many. As themes go, you can't really get more current than abuse victims struggling to be believed. 
I think the other reason it works is because the how and why of invisibility is not fully explored. There's no moment where a scientist takes a moment to give some exposition about the science behind invisibility. It just is. It's a tool. Uh, the film is not a full horror, but it balances psychological scares with some gore, action, tension, and the very timely subjects of abuse and the strain that victims can go through. Moss is just excellent throughout as you follow her character through this ordeal. You really feel for her, knowing how implausible it is for someone to believe her as she gets further cast out, rejected by her friends, made to feel like she's going mad. She really sells it all the way through. Uh, it's clearly done very well for 1L because he's already been given a first deal look with Blumhouse, the producers of this and Upgrade. And frankly, if you leave the cinema with anything less than a heart rate of a panicked gerbil, I'll be very amazed. Go see The Invisible Man. It's one of the strongest films of the year so far. And with that, that is where we will leave it. If you're listening on Google, Apple or Spotify, do like, rate and review us. Every little helps. And until the next time and another double feature, goodbye. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times and The Business Times online. 